蒸汽。蒸汽，蒸汽Common questions that gets asked is how long does it take to get a black belt? Typically, these questions are asked in meaning the number of years. Back about maybe 15 years ago, when I was asked this question, I would say six years. And where I was coming to this figure from was looking at my current students, looking at those that were leading the pack, the best. Of the best, and their rate of progress, and an estimation of how long it would take them, and that figure was holding true for them. So, if a person at that time going at that rate continued at that rate in that pack, they would take six years, and this held pretty true. Later on, the studio didn't have quite the momentum. We'd gone through. The depression of '08, we had lost uh, 90% of our students, and the momentum just wasn't there. And when asked this question, I couldn't give my typical response anymore because the momentum of the studio wasn't there. And I'd look around and I'd think about this, and relay, realizing what I had done before, I had based. The answer upon those that were leading the pack. I had to do that again and look at those and estimate. And my new answer was ten years. But I was even a little doubtful of that ten years, because at this new rate, would they get over the humps that would come in front of them? You can't always go forward at this constant rate if that constant rate is below a minimum threshold, and get past all of the humps. There has to be some periods of intensity. So, although they would continue to improve, I wasn't sure that they could actually get over those obstacles at that rate of intensity. So below a certain threshold, I had my doubts. But regardless of that, the new answer was 10 years. The previous answer had been six years, and I was confident in the previous answer, and I was not confident in the new answer. So what gives? Well. A few nights ago, we had a class, and one of my junior instructors was was teaching the class. And this happened to be actually a class where we had an online class going on. We had some private students in an online class, and we had some students in our class, our, our actually in real life class. And I don't know if that's the right terminology because both are actually in real life. The other students are just. Behind the glass, as I tell my instructors. So we were 
the instructor and myself were both recognizing one thing. We were marveling at the speed at which the online students picked up the material. The in-student class students were not picking it up at that rate of speed. We struggled with this for a bit. We tried to normalize this rate of speed by trying to drive the in-class students a bit more, and but we couldn't. We didn't get there. So I stepped in and out of the class as I do, let the instructor teach for a bit, and then I'd come in and give some clues and normal Shunshfu stuff. But for a bit, I stepped back and I kind of analyzed what was going on. And I looked at what was going on with the online students. The instructor would give them a detail. They would listen intently for that detail. They would think about it. And then they would go to trying it and they would work on it and work on it and work on it. And if the instructor was there, they would look back for feedback. And if he wasn't there, they continued to work on it. The instructor would walk away and go to the other students and start to give them details. Although this in itself is not good because everybody in the class should have been listening to the detail anyway, and it should not have had to have been repeated, but that's besides the point. The instructor would walk away from the online students and give the inlines of the inline, the on the mat studios. Somebody give me a, a better terminology for this. The on the mat studios, the on the mat students, and give them a detail. Now, while the instructor was giving the detail to the on the mat students, I was watching both. I would watch the online students, and they just continued to practice. They didn't stop. They One would do it five or ten times on the other, and then they'd switch, and the other would do it five or ten times on the other. They didn't do anything but continue to practice, and possibly they were listening, but I couldn't tell. Um, likely they were. And so the instructor would walk away from the on-the-mat in-the-school students and walk back to the online students and give them a detail. And the on-the-mat students would then quit practicing. They would do it maybe five or ten times each, maybe, and then they would stop practicing, and they were not listening to the detail that was given to the online students. They would start chatting, and they would wait, and their posture would go into waiting mode. So I, I started doing a quick calculation. The online students were practicing about five seconds or less to do each technique, probably three, but we'll say five for, for just for fun. And so in one minute, they would do that 12 times. So there's two of them. So let's say there's six times each. And that calcs out to, if they continued that up, that would be 720 times in an hour they practiced that. And let's have that at 360, and just for fun, we'll say 300, um, just to be conservative here. So I figured in that one-hour lesson, those students did it 300 times. That's probably a very conservative at, at estimate. And we did practice a couple of different things, but it was really the same thing done in different ways. So they were, we were, they were practicing that one weapon um, 360 times. 
Now, the on-the-mat students had done it on average five to ten times and then waited. And that wait probably lasted over about four minutes. So maybe with a... They practiced this technique ten times in those four minutes. So at that, they were probably 150 times an hour, hour, maybe less, maybe 75. But we could say, giving them the benefit of the doubt, 150 times, and the others had practiced it 360 times. But remember, I'm being very conservative on the online and very generous on the on the mat. So those two hours were not equivalent at all. And I say this because after I used to give the, the six-year and then I'd give the 10-year estimate to Black Belt, I thought, well, those things are totally different. So I, I came up with a different answer. And I started giving the answer of 2,000 hours because this is what I estimated that the former students who had put in uh, a regular, a good work, solid week of training. That, and over that five or six years, it was about 2,000 hours. And sometimes they, they say 3,000 hours just to be, um, to be conservative with that guess. But that is, you know, in the realm of things, there's a, it's an estimate. And somewhere within that is what I did find that would hold true. But... Looking at this again, these hours are not at all equivalent. And we're just talking about motion. How many, how many moments were they moving? Other factors start to come into play. So what's important is the intensity of that practice time, the mental cord that a person is in during that practice time, the mental intensity, so physical intensity, mental int intensity, and the emotional state and intensity that the person is in at that time. So let me explain. Let's talk about just mental, when they're listening, in listening mode. So a person that's in listening mode and good listening mo mode, their body actually shows it. They shift their weight a little bit forward on their feet. They lean forward a little bit. Their eyes are not moving, intense. They may cock their head to the side and listen. Now, granted, they can hear just fine. But these body postures display the state of listening. And I think they do more than display the state of listening. I think it's an internal signal also. I think that internally, the listening goes better if the body posture is in listening mode. So a person can be in this intense state of listening. And that's something I pride myself in that, that I was in when I was in my lessons with Dashifu. A lot of my lessons, there were 50 other people in the room. But I got details that I know others didn't get because I was in an intense state of listening. What else happens in listening? Is there judgment going on? Is there thinking going on? You can listen and absorb the content, or you can listen and think about a reply. 
you can listen and think about judging that content. Is it right or wrong? Or analyzing it and is it like this other thing? And all of those things will slow the amount of content that goes in. Not only slow it because the content is being put out at a certain rate and if it's not absorbed in at the same rate then it's just truncated or lost. So the rate, the intensity of listening is important. Okay, When practicing the physical intensity is obviously important. Is a person, when they're dummying, are they trying to dummy right? Hence, visualizing what's going on, the tech, on in the technique. So in other words, are they gaining when they're being the dummy? Or are they just mindlessly coming in with a punch that wouldn't be real, that's not realistic anyway, and gaining nothing? So their intensity as dummying could be at zero, or it could be at 100% where they're actually gaining a great deal. When they're doing the technique, are they talking to their, their partner? Are they talking about the latest video game or whatever? Or are they visualizing intensely this partner trying to punch them in the head and kill them with something? There's a great deal of difference in intensity. And that matters greatly to the progress of the student. If they're punching the bag, is this intense or not? And not all situations have to be are, are total 100% physical intensity. You vary that. Sometimes you go slow and you mix in some mental intensity and concentrating on the motion. Sometimes you go fast and just go for it. And the third component is emotional intensity. And that can be both ends of the spectrum also. A student who has a very high emotional intensity is somewhere in the background putting the visualization of whether this is their an opponent, their air opponent, their imaginary opponent, or the person they're working out, their emotional intensity in the background they're putting in fear. I am afraid that this situation, that this guy could take my head off. But on the other hand, they're training their mind to not be, to, the, to that fear only to be in the background and to be open in their mind. So playing with em, em, emotional intensity is actually a lot of training to get there, but it's important. On the other end of the spectrum, I was working with a student and Actually, another instructor was working with a student, and I would come by and give help. Well, the instructor was giving details about hand position and foot position, and I looked at it, and I'm like, well, those are good details, but for that student, it is not the important detail. The important detail was the way that they were, was their emotional intensity. This student constantly kept the, the head dropped down, the eyes looking back or at the ground when the in the opponent was directly in front of them. They would not even look at the opponent. Why? Because they're, they were so concerned about themselves as their emotion. They were so bringing into their normal emotional state, which was a very low self-esteem state. And I would correct the posture. I would bring the shoulders 
bring the shoulders back, I would bring the head up, and you could see that the emotional state changes. I believe that posture has a great deal to do with emotional state change. Problem was, is this person is not accustomed to that mental state. This is the mental state of alertness, of confidence, and all that. It's very foreign, foreign. And as soon as I would stop giving them the detail, the state would change. The shoulders would droop. The eyes would look down. The head would droop down. They were looking actually down and behind them, completely unaware of where the opponent was. Now, if you really analyze this emotional state, if they're thinking about an opponent in front of them, what are they doing? They're saying, I'm not even worth defending myself. So I will look away and allow you to hit me. That is the emotional low self-esteem that they were putting themselves in. I continually tried to improve this. Now, not talking bad about this student, but if they don't get through that emotional state, they lift, lift their head up and look at the opponent and say in their mind that I will defend myself. How much can we teach them? Okay. Right now, our only efforts need to be teaching that emotional state. So, but we've done that before. We've brought many, many people through that emotional state many, many times. It can be done, and we've turned those people into absolute confident people and life-changing people. I'm not trying to say anything bad about this person. That's just simply where they are, and we will change that. But what I am saying is what is the rate of progress of somebody who is in 100% correct emotional, emotional state for training versus a, a, a person who is totally on the other end of the spectrum. So we have three variables going on here. We have the emotional cord. What is that cord and the intensity of that cord? We have the mental state. Are we focusing, listening? Um, are we absorbing information? And we have the physical intensity. Those three things are variables. And I don't have a mathematical formula to put those into my 2,000 hours. But it's there. And so I want to take back my 2,000 hours. I had to take back my 6 years. I had to take back my 10 years. I had to take back my 2,000 hours. And the next logical step is to go, well, 2,000 hours, that's 7,200,000 seconds. Well, if each time we practice is 5 seconds, we divide that 7 million down... 7,200,000 seconds by 5, and we get 1,444,000. But looking at the, um, the emotional state, physical state, mental state, that that's not even right itself. Because I assume that we're at least at a high mental, emotional, and physical state for those 7 million seconds, 7 million plus seconds. Maybe not 100%, but 70 60, 70, 68, 70, 80 percent, somewhere in that realm. So there is no number of years. There is no number of hours. There is no number of seconds. There is only what are you doing in the now? What are you doing during that moment when you're training. And here's something that's interesting that you also, if a person is at, is at a high intensity level through those three states, I would argue 
that the resting state counts also. A person that comes to class, learns their, their one hour of material, and walks out the door, not thinking about that ever again until the next class, there's nothing going on subconsciously. A person that works on that for another 15 minutes after class, they're thinking about it on their own. They've ignited their subconscious, their mind. They've given their, con- their subconscious mind a problem and said, hey, work on this problem. If they do it more intensely, maybe they work on it for another hour or they think about it. I used to get, I used to drive in my car on the way home from the studio and think about that lesson the entire one hour drive home. So depending upon those emotional states, those intense states, I would argue that even the resting state begins to count. So the 2,000 hours, the 7 million seconds can be shaved down or expanded out greatly depending upon all those. And every bit of the intensity of those states is a multiplier effect. So let's not ask how many years. Let's not ask how many hours. Let's not ask how many seconds. Let's just ask, what are you doing now? Because if you're asking how long, you may be on the wrong track. Don't cheat. Don't cheat.